Okay, we are recording. All right. Hey, guys. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. It's your birthday day today. So I'm Summer. I'm Lisa. And welcome to Murder and Mystery. Yep. And uh, this is technically a birthday episode. Yeah, this birthday is our one-year one birthday. One-year little baby episode. You know, our baby's growing up. Yeah. One whole year. One whole year. Can you That's, believe it? It's been a long year. <laughs> it's it been has. a very long year. It has. We certainly picked a yeah, year to a do year this, to do it, yeah. but... We made it through, and we had some really good episodes. I think so, too. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to them. Go back and listen, because they're good. So (laughs) we have some special birthday episodes that we brought you. episodes that piqued our interest. Yes. What we're doing. Get back to why we do this, because we like it. So I think you have the first one, don't you? Yeah, I guess mine's. I don't know. It's not really. A, it's it's a it's a gray area here because it's not really a mystery, but it does involve a few murders. Some murders, a little, little mystery, mystery. Little mystery, more like mystery of the human condition, mystery hey. in a very existential way. <laughs> hey, my degree's in psychology. There you go. I'm a therapist. I love that stuff. Well, you've heard about it then. It's called the bystander effect. Yes. Because I was just kind of going over some of the stuff that I had researched a little bit. And um, the murder of Kitty Genovese is the one that kind of caught my attention. Yes. Um, And so I was kind of looking into it and like, she's not the only case here. And like, they've even done actual controlled psychological studies Mm -hmm. about this. And it just seems like such a weird phenomenon that like people would always go, oh no, oh no, that could never happen. But, like, in these situations, these people were murdered, injured, accidents happen, and tons of people see it, and no one does anything to stop it. That just blows my mind. And, like, not only do they not do anything to stop it, they don't help after the fact either. Wow. And to me, in my human nature, how in the world would you see something bad happen and not help is what you think. Right. But then as I'm going through here and kind of reading about it a little bit, you go, okay, it kind of makes a little sense. You would maybe hesitate. You would maybe not act like our heroic selves think we might when yeah. we're talking about it in a room amongst ourselves, right? And so the the murder of Kitty Genovese is what got me kind of hooked in this idea. And this happened in 64. Let's go and talk about Kitty a little bit. Um, she was 28 years old. She lived in Queens. Uh, she was in Kew Gardens. Um, it's a pretty populated area of okay. Queens. It's so a, it's a lot pretty, of people around. A lot of people around. Um, this was March 13th in 1964. Kitty Genovese was stabbed outside of her apartment building where she lived. Outside of a row of shops. So there's shops there. There's people up on top of these shops. There's these big apartment buildings. It's a okay. very populated area. In Queens, and she gets murdered, and people hear her. People even see her and see this happen, and no one helps. Okay, so people heard her scream, and they saw it happen. Yes. But nobody did anything to stop it or to do anything to help her. Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay, so, I mean, there... She, it's not like she was an outcast in society. Mm-hmm. She was a very normal girl, came from a normal family, was very integrated into the community. Okay. People knew who she was and noticed her when it happened. When they heard her, they said they knew they could identify who she was. So people knew her face. She wasn't some newcomer. She wasn't anonymous. She wasn't an outcast. Her family had roots in the area. Okay. okay. And even that didn't help her or save her from this bystander effect that, that happened. So this wasn't, oh, I had no idea who she was or, oh, I, that might have been that woman that lived maybe, down the hall. Maybe, maybe, yes. These people knew her and knew where she lived and knew her family a lot. Some of so them So they were know. able to ident- and say, identify. oh, yeah, I know yeah. who she is. Yes. And, wow. And see, 
And, and this happened at 3.15 in the morning is approximately okay. when it happened. And so, like, you hear somebody screaming, and you can tell who they are. It's the middle of the night, and nobody still does anything to help. Not even call the police. Not even call the police. There was not. We'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Okay. Um, Kitty had been followed by this man. Okay. Um, we won't even go into who he is because it doesn't matter. He was a common criminal. Okay. Okay. He, she was followed by this man. Um, she parked about 100 feet from her apartment building and was walking to her apartment building on the sidewalk, decently lit, not the greatest, but decent for that time. Okay, so she was right there at home Yes, she was, she was right there. She had parked at the corner bus stop and was literally just walking right, right to her apartment okay. building. Okay, and then this man comes up with a knife, stab, stab confronts, you know, stab, wow. stab. She's she runs towards her building and he he grabs her, tackles her, stabs her twice in the back. She's screaming, "Help me, he stabbed me, he stabbed me." Several neighbors hear her cry out, and a few of them recognize the cry as a sound for, like a cry for help. Right. And a guy shouted at the attacker, "Let that girl alone. <laughs> Leave her be." <laughs> So somebody uh, knew, and they were, yeah, yes. wow. And the guy ran away. Okay. Okay. That that scared the guy, startled him. He ran away. Okay, so Kitty is now trying to make her way to the rear entrance of the building. She's been stabbed, seriously injured in the back. She's okay. very injured, okay. She is trying to get in there, but nobody's still helping. Nobody comes to help. Nobody at this point has called 911. So there's nobody on their way even at this point. Wow. And so the guy that does this gets in his car that he followed her in and drives away and then comes back 10 minutes later and notices that this woman is still laying there. No one's helped her. Yes, 10 minutes. No one's helped her. She's barely conscious laying in a hallway toward the back of the building where she's trying to get in. Oh. And he goes, okay. And so he goes and stabs her again. He rapes her and steals $49 from her, and he runs away. Right there at the apartment complex where people heard, heard her, her yelling. Saw it happen. Saw yes. her. They say still that. still did not do anything. Didn't even come down to. Yeah. They said that the tax spanned approximately a half an hour between the wow. two attacks. And she also had knife wounds in her hands, which suggested that she was trying to defend herself and fight him off. And neighbor, a neighbor and close friend found her after the attack, but it was too late by then. Uh, the records of the earliest call to police were unclear, and they, they, it wasn't given a high priority if somebody did call. It wasn't given a high priority. Wow. The attack happened at 3.15. She was picked up by an ambulance at 4.15. An hour later. An hour later. And so we're talking, even if back then they had a response time of 10 or 15 minutes, we're still talking about a 45-minute span from the time you hear a woman that you may recognize yell, help me, he's stabbing me, and nobody, you, there's no ambulance, there's no nothing, and nobody thinks to call, nobody tries to help her, nobody goes to her after this attacker runs away. So did they not call until the friend found her? I'm not really sure. It's unclear. There are some people that were in the building that swear up and down that they called 911, but 911 could never substantiate it or tell people why it wouldn't have been given priority. Wow. And so, there. I mean, it's a lot of, well, I tried to or I thought this person was going to or, you know, or something like that. And so that's the thing. It was, I thought somebody else was going to do it. One witness did say that his father had called the police and reported that a woman was beat up, but got up and staggered around. Oh. But that was a few minutes, like... Also, a few minutes after the final attack, another witness called two friends for advice on what to do. Called somebody for advice on what to do? There's somebody being stabbed and the outside? Second, the second friend called another friend to ask them, and that friend, the fourth friend, was the one that told him to call the police. 
So we got the gossip mill going, but... We got on the party not. line <laughs> and asked what we should do. And so, but but oh. she was picked up. She was picked up approximately an hour after the first attack happened, and she died en route to the hospital. Wow. And so, I mean, that's just that's such an insane thing. You think about it, like how in the world could you hear something like that and not do anything about it? She would it? have lived if they would have called her called in the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah, she was wounded, but she would have been fine if somebody would have helped her the first time. She might have even been fine after the second attack if somebody would have helped her right yeah. then. Yeah. But nobody did. Oh. And then there were like these excuses, you know. Oh, wow. And so this bystander theory the theory states that individuals are less likely to help or offer to help a victim when there are other people around. Uh-huh. Like said, they first started talking about it about, about the time that this murder happened and people started kind of picking apart what actually went on here. Yeah. Psychologists started getting pretty interested in the fact that this entire community, there were like more than a handful of people that said, yes, we heard her, or yes, I saw right. her, or something. It was not just a few. It was a, a large group. Yeah, that something was going on here. They but. say that it was about 38 to 50 bystanders said that they saw something or heard something. Wow. When they canvassed the building, it was 38 people, at least 38, possibly more, that said, yeah, I heard her, I saw her, I didn't do anything. Wow. About four years later, in 1968, they started these these two guys, John Darley, the, they were psychiatrists, mm-hmm. and his, I want to say his last name, hopefully right, uh, his name was Bib Latain, it's French, okay. Latain. Um, about four years later, they became really interested in it when they were reading up about this case and, and about her murder specifically, and uh, they started this series of experiments that resulted in one of the strongest and most replicable effects in social psychology. Okay. Like, this is not just, like, a fleeting fluke of a thing. It's deeply ingrained in us for some reason. Right. It's, like, one of the strongest proven theories there are. And it's just about our inability to act. <laughs> <laughs> in a typical experiment, the participant is either alone or among a group of participants or, you know, people that they planted in there. An emergency situation is staged, and rescuers measure how long it takes the participant to intervene or if they intervene at all. These experiments have found that when other people are around, people won't act by a large margin. It's not even like a a little tiny thing. It's a large percentage of people just won't do anything. Wow. This Bib Latain... And a woman named Judith Roden staged an experiment around a woman in distress where subjects were either alone or with a friend or with a stranger. Uh-huh. 70% of these people alone called out or went to help the woman after they believed she had fallen or were hurt. Okay. When paired with a stranger, only 40% offered help. 30%. It goes down 30%. That is almost when they're with a stranger. With they're with a, when they're with a stranger, you know that that's been like one of the the most basic experiments that they've done, like solidified, almost you know proven that this is how we are as humans. So if somebody's a, so what they found, just is, overall, just overall, like if we are alone, we are more heroic. Likely. We are likely to step in more, more able to take control of the situation. If we are. Around strangers or even people we know, we are at least 30 to 50% less likely to take action. Wow. Just sit around and look some at people, each other? Some people will even be even less inclined to do things if they're in the presence of people they're familiar with. Wow. So it's almost like a comfortability thing. Like, if you're alone, you know you have to take responsibility. If you're with a stranger, you hope that maybe they will. And if you're with somebody you're familiar with, you think, oh, they got this, maybe. And it's just all of our, we don't want that personal responsibility to help being, you know, to fall onto us. That, that's interesting. It's super interesting. And it's like such a mystery because like our base instinct is to say, oh my gosh, I would never do that. You would think it'd be the opposite though. Because you would think if I'm alone, I can go the opposite direction and nobody will know. Yeah. But if I'm with somebody else, I have to go because 
I want to show off or I or, uh, or I, don't I feel like I'm a, the I'm the most capable to help. Yeah. But it's not like that. Or I don't want to be known as a coward or I feel like I wonder like I wonder if it's like a imposter syndrome where like they say that everybody feels like an imposter like they don't really have the abilities that they really do have. Yeah. And so all of us feel like we couldn't help, so if somebody else is there, we automatically think they could help better. Right. <laughs> Maybe. But that's the, where the mystery comes in, because nobody really knows or understands why we do it. Interesting. Interesting. And the people that they interviewed and stuff couldn't really tell them why. It made them more anxious, more nervous. It inhibited them. Wow. More than it, it didn't spurn them to help. It actually hindered it. And that's where the mystery part of it comes in. And like I said, the murder, that, that you know. And I guess you never know what you would do until you're in that situation. In that situation. And that's where, that's where it comes in. We all think ourselves a hero. But think of the guilt that those people carried around with them for the rest of right. their life. Because they didn't or couldn't take action. To know that this girl died because I thought somebody else was calling the and police. And this, this isn't just like a modern problem, really, that we had. Like I said, this was in 60, 64. Uh-huh. And it still happens. It still happens today. There was an incident in China where a two-year-old got run over by a bus and people walked over her for an hour. Wow. In a market. It was in a market. And she got clipped by a bus and laid there bleeding and people walked over her. Until she got hit again, and then somebody finally picked her up and took her to get help. Oh, my God. And nobody and nobody knows why these shop owners and these people were just sitting there. Nobody, it was like, not my problem. A two-year-old? Yeah. A the, child? Yeah, child. A child laying in the street. Yeah. So it's not just like adult apathy. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I don't know that person. It's not my problem. Our natural instincts are to protect all of our children, and these people still didn't act. Oh my goodness. So it's that like, is just oh. It's like this weird phenomena like that I can't explain and there's not really an explanation. It's just a weird human behavior we have. Oh, I can't even imagine watching something like that and just not stepping over yeah, the body and yeah. yeah. But yeah, oh. that that's my that's my murder/mystery. Wow. Yeah. That just blows my mind. It's it's a crazy it's a crazy thing. That is crazy. It's a, it really like it it bugged me when I read about it. That's the reason I started researching it cuz I was like no one would ever think. Oh yeah, we just would sit around and not do anything. Right. You know, like no one would think about it. But it's but, it's pretty solid. There have been some counter examples that people have tried to bring up. But they're not near as, like, solid, I don't think. Right. The research that I've seen anyway. I mean, there might be some more out there. But, like, it's not near as solid as the fact that, yeah, you probably wouldn't act. Wow. But think of those hidden camera shows. Like, yeah. do you remember that show, What Would You Do? I think it came on, like, ABC, maybe? Yeah, I think and I was, watched one of It was, like, an, an older guy with, like, darker hair, and he they staged all these weird things that happened in public just to see how somebody would yeah. react to it. And a lot, like, thinking back on it, like, the ones that I watched, a large number of people sit there and didn't do anything. Yeah, but those were, like, those weren't like that. I mean, that I mean, was, it like, wasn't arguments as, or... Yeah, it wasn't near as violent, but think I mean, about it. I mean, if you're afraid to confront somebody when they're arguing with somebody, you're definitely not going to confront somebody if they're being attacked. I would like to think I would be more inclined to, to say something or... Call nine one one or something if somebody's being attacked, than if somebody's arguing. Arguing. Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that, but I mean, the proof. I know. Says I, maybe I know. But the it's, research says I wouldn't. The, I mean, statistically, the research says that none of I mean, us would if if we were around other people. Like they also call it bystander apathy because they yeah. say people become apathetic to the situation at hand. Wow. You know. It's a, huh? It's sort of the polar opposite of that whole mom's adrenaline forces her to lift a car off her child. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the polar opposite of that. In that, if there are people around, no one will do anything for that child. 
well, if mom won't do it, then nobody will. Nobody will. And I mean, and that was a lot like in the research that they were doing, like in the control groups and stuff of that experiment, they were doing like asking people like, do you think this person deserves help? Do you, and like, and that all became a factor in their decision, but they could never actually give them a reason why they didn't act. Yeah. I mean, wow. I can't imagine. I mean, can you. Who would and say one, no? And, they didn't deserve help. Or, yeah, and, and one of them was a woman falling, like like falling, and in the in the in public, like in a on a sidewalk, like ouch and uh-huh. fall. And so you know, and they could never really say why didn't you help that poor woman? <laughs> like they could never give a reason why. It just they didn't feel like it was their job. Yeah. So I mean, and I can say that I've fallen before. I. When I was in undergraduate, uh-huh. I walked. I was walking across a dirt parking lot yeah. with my arms full, and I slid in the mud and oh. fell. And there was a guy from the class that I was just leaving, and he was in my group, like oh, for group you project. Knew him. You knew him, and he yeah. was on the phone with somebody, and he looked at me and turned his back, and I stood up, dusted myself off, yeah. picked up wow. my stuff. And yeah. walk to my car. I mean, he So just, that's the guy that's going to run the other way when you hear right. him. Right. He is the reason that you yell fire when you're in right. trouble instead of yelling help. He would have watched me get murdered. He, yeah, and would have just yeah. talked to the person on the he phone about it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, this woman in my class. What do you think I should do? What should I do? Should I don't I, call our other friends, see what they think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, should so, I video it? Yeah, that's the thing now. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, they'll do that before they'll do anything. Oh but, wow! Uh, so wow. yeah, so I that's guess that's technically a kind of a bothy of yeah. murder and a mystery, but it's something that plagued my head for a while. That I, you know, it's, yeah, it's a thing that you would always like your core. Your core feeling is to say no, that's not right. Right. But then when you're put in that situation. So hopefully no one will ever have to know that about themselves. Hopefully we never get put in that situation. But if you do, remember this podcast and know that we're going to judge you. (laughs) So you better do the right thing. Let us know. Let us know if you're ever in that situation. If you've ever been in a situation and you've either helped or you've not helped, I want to know why either way. Like no why, judgment. No judgment. Lisa will no, judge you, but I I, I will not judge you because <laughs> I here. I could definitely tell you that I wouldn't I don't know what I would do now after reading those studies. I don't know <laughs> if I know my own brain well enough to know. Do any of us? That's the thing. It's it's kind of yeah, it's in control. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Hmm. But yeah, so if you have or you have not helped someone, let me know why. Either way, I mean I've been in situations where I've helped people when I didn't really want to. And then there's been situations where I tried to help people, but I didn't. You yeah. Know? So, you know, or you, you think about helping somebody and then you end up not. Mm-hmm. And you've let other people, you know, step in and, and do it Right. You know, so I'm, I've been on both sides of the fence. I have no judgment whatsoever. I've been guilty of it and, you know, the same. But, yeah, let us know. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yep. Run our own research. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So for our special birthday edition, I picked a story that I heard years ago. And then I've recently started hearing about this again. Okay. Um, some other stories have recently popped up. And I, when I first heard about this, it creeped me out. Uh-huh. And I I didn't sleep well for a while, and I, like, every child I saw, I was checking them out. Yeah. You know, this was really <laughs> creepy. This is the black-eyed kids. Oh, okay, yeah, it is creepy. Um, not to be confused with the black-eyed peas. Right. Not no, the not same. Not the black-eyed peas. Not, not the same. You told me about it, and I started to do a little preliminary Googling myself. And you type in black-eyed and peas is the first thing right. that comes up. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not the black-eyed black peas. peas. They are way less threatening than these children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this is kind of the opposite of what you were talking about because they play on your... Uh, sympathy. Sympathy. You know, and not your empathy. To, yeah. yeah. 
So, I first heard about these kids in about 97, 98, and I was on this Supernatural-related email group, you know, way back when you had email groups and forums. Yeah, chain groups. And stuff. And so, this was one of those groups where you got these emails with these... Ghost Spooky stories. stories of the day. Yeah. Right? I had yes. those too. Yeah. And then there was like a forum that you went on and you talked about them. So this guy named Brian Bethel, he was a reporter in Abilene, Texas. Uh-huh. And got, this was a story that he posted. And I remember reading this and I was like, oh, this is really weird. So speaking of this group... I also, um, through this group, had heard about the Blair Witch Project two years before it was oh, actually came yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Okay. And got so, yeah. to talk to the people doing that a little mm-hmm. bit and hear about it. So, that was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. But this guy, you know, he, he posted this. And it was just, it was so creepy and so strange. Yeah. And stuff. And then he's... The person that was credited with first reporting this information yeah. on these children and posting it and getting it on the internet. Now, there are some some sightings, some reports that go back further. Uh-huh. Um, I saw some in the 50s and 60s and stuff, but his was the first actual reported sighting, and then, you know, it yeah. came... Up later, you know, that people had reported, oh, yeah, you oh, know, yeah, this similar, person saw yeah. this or, you know. But his was the first one, and it, it's really, it's a simple encounter. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those that is over the top, or, and I think that's what made it so believable and made it even scarier and because stuff. it was seemingly normal like a, yes. a normal encounter it wouldn't have been something weird at all right yeah so his story he was in Abilene Texas mm-hmm. it was early evening and he was going to pay a bill and he stopped in this movie theater parking lot mm-hmm. and was making out the check yeah so while he's looking down and making out the check he notices there's these two teenage boys uh-huh. in the parking lot. In a movie theater. In a movie parking theater, lot. not that weird. It's like a dollar theater, you know. I mean, and I've been in movie theater parking lots. You see kids hanging out. Oh, well, out. yeah, it's de- not... definitely. Before or after movies, yeah. Right. So he's sitting there making out this check, and there's a knock on his window. And he looks up, and he thinks these boys are probably going to ask him for money here. Yeah. And so he starts to roll his window down. And these kids, he looks at these kids. These boys are dressed normally. There's one that looks a little younger than the other one. Yeah. Jeans, hoodies, tennis shoes. Yeah. Typical 90s boys. Yeah. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that would make you look twice at them. Uh Uh-huh. But he has this, he gets this really weird feeling. Feeling. Like a vibe. Yes. And then when they get closer he sees their eyes are solid black like there's no whites yeah it's just solid Solid black black. okay and the older one asked him not for money Uh to go to the movie asked him to give them a ride to their mom's house to get money oh okay so they say that they want to go, they're trying to go to this movie uh-huh. that started over 30 minutes ago. Yeah. They need money, and they want to go to their mom's house. They need a ride. Okay. And he's getting this weird feeling. He sees these eyes, and they're asking to get in his car. Yeah. And then the kid says they can't get in unless he lets them. Uh. Okay, that's weird. Yes. Yeah. He starts saying, just let us in. We won't hurt you. We don't have a gun. Just let us in. We don't yeah. need a gun. He said at first it's like he was almost in a trance mm-hmm. looking at them. Like he wanted to let them in. Yeah. And, but then when they start, when he started getting more forceful and started the, we don't need a gun. We don't have a yeah. gun. Just, you have to let us in. 
it kind of snapped him out of it. Yeah. And he rolled up his window, put his car in reverse, and left. left. Yeah. That's a smart dude. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, what happened after actually made this a little bit eerier. Uh Um, So, in interviews... He says he called a friend right after this account- encounter. Uh-huh. So he called this friend, and this friend had other people over. Yeah. And he's talking to this friend, and he's telling this friend about this encounter. And before he gets to the black eyes, uh-huh. like he's just saying, you know, these kids came up to the window, and I had this eerie feeling and stuff. And this woman that was there at the this uh-huh. guy's house, this other friend, yeah, says that they have black eyes. I had this dream about these black-eyed kids, oh. and they were really spooky. And that's I crazy. Mean, yes. Yeah, that's so that crazy. just gave this whole thing a whole nother creep. Factor. Yeah. So this is just—it's not the scariest story ever. No, but it's really creepy and weird. But it is really creepy, and so. After I had read that, mm-hmm. and after, you know, it was discussed on this discussion board and stuff, and you never really heard anything else about it. Yeah. For years, I'd never really heard anything, but I never forgot that. And then I started seeing things pop up. Uh-huh. And when I went back and was looking, there there are stories from, you know, Back, like, 2008, 2009, and stuff. And I guess I just wasn't hearing Hearing about this and stuff. But here recently I started hearing about it again, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, these these things are so weird. So um, I have a few more stories Uh and then some of the the ideas behind this. Okay, awesome. Um, So some of the sightings, uh, December 2008 in Kansas... A woman named Katie had an encounter with two teenage boys who were standing in her driveway. So this one was really weird. She had said that she had seen these boys before, Uh like in the neighborhood. Yeah. So when she saw them in her driveway, she she thought this was weird. You Uh know, she'd been getting a ride to work, and her ride pulled up in front of her house, and she was... Kind of like, okay, these boys are standing here in my driveway. I've yeah. S- I've seen them in the area, so I don't know where they belong. But they've but been around. Yeah. I've seen them, and now they're here in my driveway. This is weird. Yeah. But she gets out of the car, and she walks to her door, and she just kind of walks straight to her door. Uh-huh. Well, they follow her up on the porch. Oh. And she's, like, trying to get in to her house, and they're quiet, like, the whole time. Yeah. They're standing back. Uh-huh. They're not, like, crowding her or anything. They're standing back, and they've just followed her up there, and she finally gets the door open, and the older one says they need to use the phone. Uh-huh. Said that the neighbor wouldn't let them use the phone. Okay. And she is getting this really weird feeling. Yeah. You know, these are kids that, I mean, and she hasn't really looked at them other yeah. than she saw them in the driveway. They look normal. Yeah. These are boys that she's seen from a distance. So she's seen <laughs> them not, in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and now they're saying they need to use the phone and the neighbor wouldn't let, let them. them. That seems a little weird. So she's got this eerie feeling and she says that she turned around and everything looked fine except their eyes were completely completely black uh-huh. again, again no whites yeah just completely black where yeah. their eyes were okay and so she starts to get this cold fearful feeling she starts stepping into her house but part of her wanted to let them in okay like as she's looking at them she wants to let them in okay and she kind of turns and walks in, and then she turns back around, uh-huh. just to make sure. Because yeah. I mean, it's a little. It's weird. my mind playing tricks. Is and no, their eyes are completely blacked out. Yeah. And so she says, "No, I don't have a phone." 
And then the other boy, the younger boy, says, well, can we come in and get a glass of water? I'm thirsty. And she, that's when she's like, nope. And slams the door and locks it and runs in and sits down on her couch. And she's sitting there on her couch and she hears tapping behind her and turns around and they're standing in her window. Oh, shit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. So they're standing there in her window, and they're tapping on her window, and they're saying things like, you know, like yeah. they had to Brian. Yeah. You know, the just let us in. Just, oh, just let yeah. us in. And so she said that it finally stopped. You know, they finally stopped. Yeah. Her boyfriend came home a little while later. He walks in and he says, there's two kids in the driveway. Did you did you know oh. this? So she said, did you see them? Did you see their eyes? Yeah. And he said he didn't see their eyes, but he felt like really weird, weird about it yeah. when he walked by. So he didn't even say anything to him. He didn't ask anything. He just walked by them. Yeah. Yeah. So she said that. The next day, she went and talked to the neighbors, because she knew the neighbors. Yeah. And asked them if these if these kids had come over and asked to use the phone, and they said no. Oh, that, okay. But they had seen the kids standing in the driveway before she got home. Oh, so they were just standing there waiting. So they were there at her house, but they yeah. had never gone and Not, talked to the neighbors. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. And she saw them across the driveway a few more times, or across the road a few more times, yeah. staring at her house, oh. but they never came back. Huh. That's very weird. So, yeah, just another... Strange. Weird. So then in t- November 2009, now this is another weird one. Uh A Marine stationed in North Carolina in Camp Luan, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but um, in North Carolina had an encounter. So he was living in the barracks on the third floor, and this was kind of set up um, the way that it was described. It was like a motel. He was on the third floor, and the rooms were, you know, it had the rooms and then it had, like, the walkway on the outside. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, you walked up the stairs and you had the walkway, like, covered walkway, and then you went into the rooms. Okay. And so you didn't, like, walk into a building. Yeah. So he was on the third floor. It was a weekend, and the majority of them were either gone for the weekend or out for the night. Yeah. And it was fairly late, but... This guy, he was broke, and he had opted to stay in and just watch a movie in his room Uh instead of going out because he didn't have any money. Okay. But his roommate was out. You know, he had gone out for the night. So he's sitting there watching this movie, and it's getting late, and he hears this knock. And it's about 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So So he he hears a knock on the door, and he thinks... His roommate got drunk and lost the key. Okay, yeah. So, he gets up and goes and opens the door, and there's these two young kids. Oh. Young kids. Young kids. Okay. They're standing in front of his door. Now, this is a a Marine, Uh right? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, he's 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 a Marine. He's prepared. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, but he hasn't been out drinking. He hasn't been out doing anything. He was there in the room, and he is standing there. And he's looking at this kids, and his gut instinct uh-huh. is telling him to slam the door and lock it. Okay. So, that's... so he's trained. Like, yeah. they are trained yeah. to listen to their gut. Because yeah. their gut is... what's going to keep them safe. Yeah, that's yeah. their instincts. They're, yeah. But he's looking at kids. And what are kids going to do to this big, tough, no. trained brain? yeah. yeah. <laughs> But he knew something was off about these kids. And so he asked them why they were out so late. They just kind of looked at him. And that's when they he realized that their eyes were completely black. Oh. And if this wasn't weird enough that these kids are standing there looking at this Marine yeah. in these barracks. Now, yeah, that's at, weird. This, at this barracks. Base. Yeah. In these barracks. You know, in a base, yeah. it's... it's all enclosed, and yes. it's a private community. Yeah. Yes. 
And you have to go through a guard yeah. to get there. So they are standing there at his door. Solid black eyes. They say <laughs> they want to come in and read. Oh, that's weird. At 1 o'clock in the morning, they just want yeah. to come in and read. <laughs> so They weren't very smart weird things, were they? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> So he looks around and he's not seeing anybody. He's yeah. not seeing like parents, older yeah. kids, nobody. And he looks back at him and he takes a step back. And that voice in his head is just screaming at him to shut the door, to lock him out. Danger bells are ringing. Yeah. He, he knows. And he said he felt like he was being hunted by Ooh. these two little kids. It was that bad. That. That feeling was that bad. So, finally, he gave in to his instincts, and he just shut the door and locked it. Yeah. And for about five minutes, he's hearing this soft knock on the door, and then the windows start to rattle, and finally, it's just quiet. Wow. So, they were still... I mean, there. For five minutes, they're yeah. knocking on the door and on the window. That's a long and time. trying, you know, yeah. to get his attention and get him to come and open the door back. So, the next morning, he went down to the officer that was on duty uh-huh. and asked about the kids that were running around the barracks the night before. He was told that there weren't any kids on the premises. There hadn't been any other reports of children oh, at the that's barracks. that's creepy. Yeah. And the guard had never seen anybody. And this guy, this Marine, never saw these kids again. Wow. That's very creepy. Yes. Yeah. So, there is another story in 2009 that came from Norwich, England. This is Craig Besand. Um, he is a student, or was a student, at the University of East Anglia in Norwich. But he was part of a study abroad program, so he's originally from Missouri okay. in the U.S. Okay. He had been at a friend's house until late... That night, and he decided to walk home. He had a few drinks. Yeah. And this was a friend's house that he walked back and forth between the houses all the time. It wasn't It wasn't very far. It's about 1 a.m. when he left, but it was like a straight shot. Yeah. Like straight down the street. He didn't leave far. He'd never had any problems walking home at night. So yeah. he had left. He... It, this was on Deerham Road, and so he left the friend's house, and he had gone a few blocks when these two boys approached him. Uh-huh. Um, the older one looked about about 13. I guess the younger one was about 10, and they told him that they were lost, and they were looking for the cemetery. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's 1 a.m. They're between 10 and 13 years old. And they're looking for a cemetery that's just a few more blocks down the road. Okay. This is a big cemetery that's right in between Craig's house and his friend's house. Mm -hmm. So, like, he walks by it every time he goes back and forth. He asks the kids where they're from, and they give him a road that's, like, in that area. So, if they live in this area... Why did they not know where the cemetery right. was? Yeah. Because this is a big cemetery yeah. right there on that road. Main thing. Yes. Yeah. But he agrees to take them because it's on his way. Yeah. I mean, he's walking that way anyway. So, yeah. he says, okay, I'll take you to the cemetery. And so, they begin to walk towards the cemetery. They get there. They ask him, aren't you coming in with us? Oh, no. And Mm -hmm. he says no, and then the older kid becomes more forceful. Yeah. With no, you're you're coming in with us. Oh. You should come in with this. You need to come in with us. So I mean that that's just. Yeah, that's a little strange. Right. Yeah. But he says no. Not doing that. And And the younger kid, who'd been kind of silent the whole time, Uh says we shouldn't be doing this. Oh. And when he says we shouldn't be doing this, that's when Craig Stip kind of snaps out of his hypnotized state. Yeah. And he's like, ah, uh, I'm out of here. And he runs. And he runs all the way home. 
So the next day, he went into uh, this magic shop to buy some, like, incense and stuff. Yeah. And he told the woman at the counter about seeing these kids. And yeah. she said that there had been people who had had these encounters with these kids in that area before. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I thought that was interesting. That was a little bit yeah. different. Yeah, a little Because bit. it was, you know, out there in the open. But yeah. So, and then there's another one here in 2014, but it goes back, the first sighting was in 1982. Okay. And this one was is also in the UK. This one is in Staffordshire okay. at Cannock Chase Forest. Okay. So, this one started in 1982 was the first sighting. And then in 2014, there were more sightings. Okay. So, and this one's different. This one's even different than that one. Um, but it's also outside. Yeah. And it just, it does have a different feel, but I did want to go ahead and bring this up. Okay. But the first sighting in 1982 was this Lee Brickley's aunt. He is a paranormal investigator. And the author of a bunch of books and stuff. And so his aunt, when she was 18 in 1982, um, she was walking and came upon this trail at this forest leading into the woods. Okay. And she saw this little girl. This little girl was around six years old calling for help. The woman said, this little girl, she's on this trail She's calling for help, and it's getting kind of dark. And so when the girl turned around, her eyes were solid black. Oh. And the little girl's kind of calling for help and then trying to lead her deeper into the woods. The little girl would call for help and then turn around and run deeper into the woods and then turn around and call for help. Yeah. But it was getting late, and it was starting to get dark, so the aunt left. Yeah. And so he had heard this story because this was his aunt. Yeah. So in 2014, there were a couple more sightings of this girl in this same area. And both of these sightings were very similar to this. There was um, a couple who were walking in this forest and they kept hearing this giggling. Mm -hmm. And they were looking around and then they would hear screaming and they had this like really weird feeling and then they saw this little girl with solid black eyes oh. standing there they felt as if they were being lured yeah because they were hearing this giggling and then this screaming and then they would see her and it yeah. was like deeper and deeper yeah, into weird. the forest so they felt like they were being lured yeah, deeper like, into yeah, the forest like nothing was really wrong and right yeah. right so they they left yeah there was another sighting, and it was very similar to that with a woman and her daughter oh, that same saw the little girl, right. and they said the same thing, that yeah. they kept seeing her, and she was there, and then they would see her a little further away, and it was like she was trying to get, get them, them to Get them to come over there, yeah. Yeah. So these sightings are different yeah. from the ones in America, you know. But, I mean, similar, similar very right similar. because she because the of the feeling eyes. is the same yeah and that the ominous feeling I yeah. guess. well and just the persistence as yes. well yeah 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 but they they do include include the same girl each time but she's always alone uh-huh and she's wearing victorian style clothing oh yeah so she doesn't really fit, fit in, in like not the other like the kids. others do yeah um, she appears during the day, whereas the other kids usually appear at, at night. night. Yeah. Um, this girl's been seen, like, as it's getting dark, she's been seen in the middle of the day. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, know, it's a little different. Um, she appears out in the open and yeah. tries to lure people out in the open, open, whereas the other kids, I mean, in America, it's usually they're trying to get into homes. Yes. Where, you know, those other boys... And even the other boys were trying to get the guy to go into the cemetery. Alone. Yeah, get him alone. Um, yeah. But it's the more other a private were, thing. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to get into mm-hmm. homes. And she's just... She's trying just to trying get to get them, them... Off the trail. Into, like, the woods. And, yeah. So, I mean, it does kind of have that same feeling. But this area is also... 
has a very long history of paranormal activity. Lots of different things have happened. There was also some murders there. And one of the murders was a little girl um, way back. And so that could be connected. Okay. So there there is some things that could be going on there. That one just had a totally different feel. But because of the eyes and stuff, and because yeah. she is included in these stories, I wanted to go ahead yeah. and include. No, that's, no, I think it's similar. So, in January 2016, there was a woman in Vermont uh-huh. who encountered two children, a boy and a girl. They actually, it was a woman and her husband, and this was an older couple. Okay. Uh, they knocked on the door. It was cold outside. It's snowing. Yeah. And it, it was kind of late. This was a, like a young teenage boy and girl. Yeah. And she went and opened the door and they asked to use the phone. Okay. So she let them in because it's cold. Yeah. You know, and she felt yeah. bad for them. That's, and yeah. it's dark. And, and yeah. she said that, you know, she kind of had a weird feeling about them. But at the same time, it's cold outside. These kids were shivering. Yeah. And they said they needed to call their parents. So she lets them in, brings them into the family room. And yeah. she goes to bring them phone. And when she brings the phone in, she notices their eyes are solid black. Oh, okay. She walks in and she goes to hand them the phone. And the older child goes to take the phone, and that's when she notices the eyes. Well, her husband, who was sitting there in the family room, at the same time that she notices their eyes, his nose starts bleeding. Oh. And so that was... A little weird. Yeah, Yeah. that was very weird. Yeah. And then, at that time, (laughs) the power goes out in the house. Oh, yes. That's really weird. So, the power's out in the house... And the husband's nose is bleeding, and the kids just kind of sit there, and everything's quiet. Yeah. And then they say in unison, our parents are here, and they get up, and they walk out of the house. Well, she follows them out, Uh and there's a black car there. Uh Uh-huh. They walk out to this black car. There's these two men in the black car. They get in the back of the black car. Uh The car drives away. They never see these kids again. Oh, wow. Right after they drive away, the uh-huh. electricity comes back on. Oh, okay. Um, the husband was diagnosed with skin cancer shortly after. Uh-huh. And she began to have frequent nosebleeds and had se- has several medical issues uh-huh. that started occurring after they met these children. So oh. she blames all their medical problems on that on encounter. these children. Okay. And... I had read that there were some other encounters that had some of these same issues, like medical problems, nosebleeds, electricity going out, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. One more here. So this one is actually a very new one, March 2020. This is in Illinois. This was posted on Reddit actually two days after it happened by The Sun. Yeah. Of the woman that this happened to. Okay. Uh, it started around 7.30, and this is a very quiet neighborhood where the it's families of mainly with teenagers. Uh-huh. This is also right about the time in this area where everybody started going into quarantine. So okay. there was a quarantine issued. Yeah. Nobody's supposed to be out of their house. Okay. So this mom, she is an essential worker. Mm-hmm. And her work had had this meeting that evening to talk about, you know, how they were working. Yeah. What they were going to be doing. Yeah. And, and so she was coming home late. Yeah. And she was on the phone with her husband as she pulled up in front of the house, she saw this little boy uh-huh. go running around the corner. Yeah. And this little boy was young, like about five or so. Okay. I mean, this is about 730 at night, but with quarantine and stuff. And uh-huh. no, she hadn't really seen any young kids around yeah. the neighborhood. It's so strange. Yeah. yeah. So she watches him go around the corner 
And she says something to her husband, and she sits in the car, and she continues to talk to her husband on the phone. Yeah. And I do that sometimes. I've sat, you know, if I'm having a conversation with Scott, sometimes yeah. I'll sit yeah. and finish that conversation, even if he's in the house and I'm yeah. sitting outside on the phone. Yeah. And she actually talked on the phone for about 20 minutes uh-huh. before she finally hung up. And goes to get out of her car. So she gets out of her car. And about this time, you know, it's 8 o'clock. Yeah. She gets out of her car and goes to get her purse and stuff. So her back's turned and she's leaning in the car. And she hears this child behind her say, excuse me. Oh. And she jumps and screams, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely. So according to this woman's son, (laughs) the mom was like, Oh, my God. Yeah. And she turns around, and she sees this boy who's wearing shorts, a hoodie, and no shoes. Oh, that's strange. Right? Yeah. So, it's like he's trying to blend in, but not Not quite getting there. Yeah. (laughs) And he had his hood up. Okay. So, his hood was up, and his face is down. It's dark outside. Yeah. He's in the shadows, so she couldn't really see his face. She's looking at him, and she said every instinct in her told her to run away and get inside. So, again, it's that instinct. You had this Marine who's looking at these two little kids saying every instinct in my body is saying slam the door. Yeah. You know, and there's these two little kids. Now you've got this mom who's saying... the same instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Every instinct in me is telling me to run away from this five-year-old kid out here in the dark alone. With no shoes on. Right. Yeah. I mean... It's a... Yeah, that's weird. We're moms. Yeah, that would never happen. No. 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 I mean... No. No. (laughs) But... So, but every instinct in her is saying, run, get away from this kid. Something's not right here. Yeah. And so she asked him, can I help you? You know, what do you need? What do you need? He asked if she'd seen another little boy running around there and said that he had gotten separated from this other boy. Uh Uh-huh. And she said no. But there's this feeling of dread, like just this, as he's talking, it's just this feeling of dread. And that's one thing that, you know, in all these stories, everybody said. And because there's something about their voice, it's like this monotone and something in the way that they speak. Yeah. It's very, I don't know, almost too proper. Yeah. Not like. A kid would speak. Not yeah. like even adults speak. Not yeah. like we would speak. Okay. Just very, very proper. And, I mean, a five-year-old saying, I got separated. separated. Yeah, that is weird. That's a little um, strange, too. So, she just felt that this was way off. And that's when she she saw yeah. his face. Okay. And yeah. the eyes. And then it was... And the- about the time she saw his eyes, that's when, in the distance, she heard a scream. Uh-huh. And when she heard the scream, the boy looked up and in a monotone voice. A, monotone? a monotone voice for a five-year-old. Uh-huh. Says, oh, there he is. Oh. <laughs> and turns and goes in the opposite direction of the scream. Huh. Okay, that's strange. Right? Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah. (laughs) So, in all of these stories, I mean, these are creepy, weird, scary. Yeah, weird things. But none of them, even though there's all this fear and this dread. Yeah. There's there's no danger. I mean, there's... They don't hurt anybody. They don't threaten anybody. In fact, yeah. they say, we're not going to hurt you. Yeah. But it it's still really scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, nobody really knows what they are mm-hmm. or if they're all the same creature, kids, beings. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. They're, most of this, these encounters are almost like exactly the same very very similar yeah most of the time there's 
two of them between the ages of six and 16. You usually have them pairs of one younger, one older. Yeah. They're usually dressed in normal, nondescript clothing. Yeah. Like, not really dressed up. Just, you know, jeans, t-shirt, Just, just regular, no, yeah. nothing noticeable, really. Right. Yeah. Sometimes there are reports of them wearing, like, old-fashioned clothing. Uh-huh. Or something that doesn't really match the period. But not usually. Usually it's just like normal Yeah, just regular clothing. Clothes. Yeah. They usually have either a hood or a cap or long hair that comes up comes over their face. Uh-huh. Like that would yeah, hide the, their eyes. Their view. Yeah. Or, you know, put shadow on their eyes. They usually are there at dark. Dark, yeah. Or where it's getting dark. These encounters usually occur at a, a home or yeah, private residence, car, or yeah. something, and they're wanting to get in. They they have to ask to get in. Yeah. And usually when they come in, people feel this dread, but they don't do anything, do anything. and then they yeah. leave. Okay. Well, it's it's just really strange. Yeah. So, and another thing, they all they all have pale skin like really pale skin okay yeah so some things some of these things that people come up with some of the thoughts yeah there is a story a legend of it's an Iroquois legend of the Otcon O-T-K-O-N so I might be saying that wrong and if I am I'm sorry (laughs) this talks about a dark spirit that mates with the woman and produces black-eyed, chalky-skinned children. Okay. Uh, these children are killed shortly after birth, and then they're burned to keep them from coming back from the dead, because if not, they'll come back from the dead. Oh, okay. The spirit could also possess kids that wander into the woods alone. So these kids, if they wander into the woods alone, they become possessed by the spirit, and they come back from the woods. They'll, like, come back into their oh, village. Okay. And they have pale skin, black eyes, and they act really nervous. Oh. They would repeat themselves over and over. And their goal was to destroy the village and infect everyone with this Otcon or this oh, okay. spirit. Okay. Some say this is a demon. This seems to fit some of the black-eyed children like the Stra- Staffordshire uh-huh. sighting yeah the little girl yeah in the woods yeah that seems like a demon to me yeah that would be kind of trying to drag people into yeah. the woods into, and yeah you know maybe get them lost or kill them or something yeah. deeper but, into the woods yeah out away from other people but most of these encounters I don't really feel are demonic yeah they don't seem to be i mean for one thing a demon doesn't usually need you to ask them in yeah and they don't usually leave just you know oh my parents are here and leave yeah they usually they usually want something from you yeah Yeah. and they wreak havoc when they're there they don't just leave yeah they'll just creep you out real hard right (laughs) Another idea is vampires, and yeah. this comes from the fact that they need to be invited in before they can enter your home or car, but there's nothing else there that's similar that would link the two. Don't just attack them or anything. Right. right. Yeah. So, my favorite, and the one that seems to make the most sense, is aliens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, of course, aliens. aliens. But this one actually really fits. Yeah. Because... Most people see them, they're pale skin, mm-hmm. solid black eyes. Yeah. I've heard, I read a lot of these theories that they are either disguises or alien-human hybrids. Yeah. They're using these children because they're more likely to be let in than oh, yeah. adults. adults. You know, if you have an adult come up, you're probably not going to let them in. Yeah, exactly. But kids would be let in most likely to yeah. use the phone, to get a drink, to use the restroom, 
taken, given a ride, whatever. Yeah, anything that you needed know, to be done, a child would be the one that you right. would get the sympathy for. Adults yeah. usually will help a child out. Yeah. And they go in pairs, which, you know, when you've got kids, it seems like a safety issue. Yeah. It seems like they're doing more information gathering than anything. Else. And it could be looking at mannerisms, looking at how people live yeah. and trying to adapt because it seems like they're usually wearing the clothing. They are trying to use the language. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to adapt to... To fit in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. And they try to hide their eyes. Yeah. So it's like they're trying They know to, that it's an issue. Like they right. know that it's a weakness they have. Yeah. Right. And oftentimes when they notice that people are getting scared, they're trying to convince them that the, we're not going to okay. hurt you. We don't have a gun. We don't yeah. need a gun. We're not going to do, yeah. you know, just yeah. let us in. Yeah. And also, you know, when you look at the electricity going out, the illnesses, you know, the cancer, the yeah. nosebleeds, things like that. It could be radiation. Oh, could be. From yeah. aliens. Aliens, maybe. Yeah, because they were with them for a while. Right. You know. This could also just be an urban legend, a made-up story that caught on, kind of like the Slender Man. Yeah. And just kind of spread yeah. around. I mean, Brian Bethel could have made up this story. story and, and then everybody thinks they have a story right. about it. Yeah. Any and, weird encounter gets twisted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, I felt so weird. Did they have black eyes? I think they had black eyes. And yeah. So, whatever they are, it's really creepy. Yeah. I have never seen them. Me neither. But if anybody has, I would really love to hear firsthand yeah. stories. Yeah, definitely. But I think that it was really interesting, and so that was the one I chose because yeah, I find it fascinating. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. Yeah. And so. that's our birthday, birthday episode. episode. Yay. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yes. And we will um, catch you later for our next episode. Yep. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, it's your birthday day too.